Hi, I'm Ari Kagan, and 14 months ago, I had a fun little idea. I was going to ghostwrite a book. Much like all my other fun little ideas, this one turned out to be far larger than I could have ever imagined. It all began in early April of 2021, when I began my search for an expert, someone who would teach me the skills necessary to go and write this book for someone else. It's important to know that at this point, I didn't actually have anyone that I was going to write the book for. I just knew I wanted to do it. So it was a simultaneous search for an expert and a subject. And my God, was it frustrating. To make a long story short, the ghostwriter that I wanted helped to write a, uh, shall we say, hypothetical series of events by the world's most famous citrus juice. So I contacted him and he agreed to be on my show. So we set up a recording date of April 7th, 2021. Did the interview, it went really well. I feel like I learned a lot from it. Unfortunately, we ran out of time in season one to write an entire book. Cut ahead a few months, we get renewed for season two and Ghost Write a Book is at the top of my list of episodes to make. I opened Pro Tools, which is the editing software I use. And for some reason, this great interview that I'd done had no audio. The files were there, but there was no sound. Somehow the file got corrupted. So I pulled an age-old trick and said that I needed to ask him a few more questions and then just did the interview again. I was really happy with it. At this point, it's like October 2021. Things are moving along. We're trying to find someone to ghostwrite the book about. And then out of the blue, I get an email from our ghostwriter saying that he does not want me to put his voice in my podcast. So I decided to send his audio file to a transcription service and have my friend Anna read what he said. I guess you could say that I had to get a ghost reader for my ghost writer. Making this episode has been really frustrating, but now we're here. You're listening to Things You Don't Need to Know, and this episode is all about how to ghostwrite a book. All right, so for this next part, keep in mind that my audio is actually me asking the questions, but the audio of the ghostwriter is an overdub done by my friend Anna Tingley, who has so graciously agreed to do this ridiculous task. Anyway, let's get into it. This is my interview, learning how to be a ghostwriter. What's the secret to making a compelling book? So I think that the trick is for you to figure out what it is about this guy that's going to make people sit up and take note. You know, the day that he decided that he could, you know, get away with robbing that bank, for example. That's the candidate for the opening of the book. How would you get the best kind of uh, stories or material uh, out of someone? Let them know that you're on the same team and let them do the heavy lifting for you. You're, you're basically a therapist and you're letting this person tell you about their lives, which for most people is the most interesting thing in the world. There's a sort of hugely narcissistic component to you know, people and that as soon as you develop that rapport with them, things will really start to flow. I would just sit down and say, hey, let's talk about your life. I wanna know everything. And you know, where you were born, you know, who your parents were, what kind of childhood you had. And the other thing is not to interrupt him very often. You know, when they're talking, let them talk. And what you'll find is that that's the easiest and most efficient way to capture their voice. When I think about ghostwriting a book, I think about a great biography, a lifetime of fascinating stories that, if we're quite honest, would be far too much to fit into a couple hundred pages. It's a massive amount of information, and I can only imagine how difficult it's going to be for me to sift through everything and find the best material for the story you're trying to tell. As the ghostwriter, it's really easy to get lost. I mean, some of the people I worked with, they would jump around and tell me anecdotes, and 
frankly, it drives you crazy. And one of the things that I think is really, really important is try to keep it chronological because it's good for you. I can't remember, that was 1979, and then they're jumping into like 86. And it's a lot easier if you take control right from the beginning and you say, listen, it's very easy for me to get lost. Just start and at the beginning and stay on track. And the story will take on a life of its own. Have you ever had any trouble uh, getting someone to tell their story? I can think of maybe, you know, one or two ghostwriting experiences in my years as a ghostwriter that didn't go great. But they had nothing to do with personality. They had more to do with dishonesty. You know, the subject didn't want to tell them the true story. And, you know, they wanted me to create sort of these strange fictions. And I'm not a big fan of that because it always comes back to bite you in the ass. All right. So let's say I do all my interviews. I've got all these recordings, these, these tapes. Where do you go from there? You're going to be sending off these taped interviews to be transcribed. And when they come back, it's sort of shocking. You know, spoken dialogue often is incredibly literate. And you don't want this guy to sound like Tolstoy. You want to sound like himself. How do you edit it in a way that keeps that integrity? As you're reading this material, you know what, the really, what he really cares about. You know, the day, you know, he thought he was going to drown in the swimming pool. It's all about voice. It's about capturing the voice of that person. And, you know, you have the transcripts. You're not really throwing anything away. You know, you make a copy of the transcripts. You start working with a clean document. And then, you know, you start organizing it. Is it ever hard for you to figure out what makes the cut? I don't know. I don't, I never find it that challenging. I just, you know, it's like I think Hemingway talked about, you know, that sort of foolproof built-in bullshit detector and you just know as you're reading it, nobody really wants to read this. This is boring. I'm not, I'm not going to include this. Alfred Hitchcock once said that movies are like life with the boring bits cut out. Now, I'm not making a movie here and I'm not Alfred Hitchcock either, but I like to think I know what makes a good story. There's only one problem. I didn't have anyone to ghostwrite a book about. This is that part of the podcast where I play a song that makes us feel like we're lost. Not only in this story, but in life in general, in an attempt to make you understand that this might not happen. And then I interviewed my friend Noah about his marriage, season two, episode six. Really good, you should go listen to it. When he told me something very interesting. We're, t- we're talking to uh, Noah Gaynor right now. Hello. And he was telling me about a therapist that he went to after his marriage to help him get through some things. Anyway, I'll let you take it from here. So, yeah, no. So when Ari asked me, he was looking for someone to ghost write a book for. I immediately thought of this therapist who really helped me, who has this method that's a little different than any other therapy I've heard of before. Dr. Samuel Benjamin is his name. It's a three-step process. A first meeting with you where he learns about whatever it is that you need help with. Then he actually goes into wherever you need help and with you and guides you through that experience. He come wait, he comes with you. What do you mean? Well, so he went on a date with me. I, I'm oh. not, we didn't no. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't <laughs> we didn't date each other. I like So he just like sat behind a newspaper or something? <laughs> I mean, it kind of looks like that. I mean, honestly, yes. <laughs> he was like a couple tables over. I was on a um it was like a coffee date and one of the things that I knew was going to happen was that I, my body would freeze up. I wouldn't be able to speak and he was literally there. I was just like, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. I'll be right back. We walked in there together. He helped me breathe through like my anxiety attack that I was having. The date had no idea. And I was able to then go back and participate in the date. Um, something that I had literally not been able to do before that. It, it's a really interesting therapy that helped me that I think like he, he's one of those guys. It's like, I can't believe he doesn't even have a book already out. After the break, we write a book. 
Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. After months of falling flat on my face, it seemed like I finally got my big break. If I could get this guy to respond to my emails. Um, Samuel Benjamin has almost no online presence. Noah gave me his email, uh, and he's just not responding. But eventually, after about a week and a half, he did. All right, uh, I finally got an email back. Hi, Ari. Then he gives me his address. That's it. That's all the email says. The address was a residential property in Williamsburg. So I emailed him back asking about a time. All right, I just got another email. We now have a place and a time. So I put all my gear in a backpack and hopped on the L train. When I arrived, I was greeted by the man himself. He's tall, well-dressed, has a short salt and pepper beard. He was very welcoming, offering me tea and making me feel right at home. I can see why Noah likes him so much. Hi, I'm Dr. Samuel Benjamin, practitioner of a form of therapy of my own invention, but I'm, as they say, standing on the shoulders of giants. In this first meeting, we pretty much just got to know each other and see if there was a potential book there. Structurally, I looked at the different types of problems that people can have, and uh, I helped them cure them in a matter of seven days. You cure people in seven days? Uh, yeah. One session with me to talk, about, talk it over and learn what the problem is. Uh, one session where I encounter the problem in the field. And then a final debriefing session where we assimilate the work that we've done in the first two sessions. So it's, it's, uh, it's a one, two, three. You don't think that maybe... Um, I mean, a lot of people take a while to open up about some of these... Not with me. My first meeting with Dr. Benjamin was interesting to say the least. I'm very, I, I'm one of those people who my whole life, people would come up to me and just open up to me. They tell me, they tell me, they're, they tell me what's on their mind. They can't help it. It's almost like I'm a magnet. I'm an ear. I'm an ear. I'm an oracle. I'm an ear to humanity. I, I, I don't want to sound grandiose, but that's the cross I bear. I came away from that first meeting thinking a number of things. I pretty much summed it all up in this audio note that I took when I got home. Um... He definitely comes off as someone who's trying to sell you a multi-level marketing scheme. He did the thing where, where like the salesman thing where you say, you know, if you don't want it, you don't have to buy it. If you don't want uh, what I'm selling, you don't have to buy it. Um, I, I kind of actually like his philosophy and that we should just tackle our problems. The going into the field bit is absolutely fascinating. I, I was very inspired by the work of Jane Goodall, the primatologist. She went into the jungle and lived among the orangutans. She did not invite the orangutans into her office. It just seems like too good to be true. So I go with you to that place. That place might be in your relationship. That place might be in your workplace. It might be something uh, as simple as your relationship with your dog. So that's what I do. 
After thinking about it for the rest of the day, I came to the conclusion that this story was far too captivating for me not to look more into. I also think that as a ghostwriter, I don't have to fully believe in everything that I'm writing. I'm carrying out someone else's vision. And, you know, so long as that doesn't hurt or endanger people, I think it's okay. So I sent him an email saying that I was ready to work on the project, and we arranged a time to begin. When I first got here, we spoke a bit about writing a book about you. Well, I want to get my message out. So if, if telling my story personally were the way to get to that, yeah. But I think telling the story of my work, my work with clients, that, that's the powerful message. But you're saying you I like that. No, I like that a lot. I think, I think we should do that. Something that I wasn't expecting was for him to know kind of exactly what he wanted. Noah had told me that he'd thought about writing a book, but... I didn't realize how far along in the ideation process he was. That first session was just smooth sailing. I don't like a heavy book, I like a thin book. So this is gonna be a thin book, but it's gonna be very actionable. It's gonna be somewhere between a workbook and a short novel. He also had a title for it. So the title I'm thinking of is Today Is Now. Today Is Now. I like it, it seems very similar to that Eckhart Tolle book. Power of Now? The Power of Now, yeah. Well. It was going to be a self-help book of sorts, full of anecdotes. It's a smorgasbord, it's a buffet of therapeutic concepts, practices, and modalities that I have found to be effective in helping people to overcome whatever they need to overcome. Jam-packed with lessons, if you will. There's no baggage limit on this flight that is human life. And things he learned working with clients. We can all look at the experiences we've had in our lives as building blocks and as tools. I've done a lot, I've seen a lot, I've been everywhere, and I feel that one person's idea of scattered is another person's idea of having a vast wealth of knowledge and experience to draw upon. The first day we spoke for about four hours, and I felt like I got a really great opening chapter. It was starting to get late, so I went home, very satisfied with what I'd gotten from that, and looking forward to the next time. Not to get over dramatic, but for the next two weeks, I heard nothing from him, and once again thought that my book was dead. And then I got an email, which contained a Google Docs file with a 20,000-word first draft. We're back. Uh... You actually brought me about 48 pages. It's a draft. Yeah. No, this is great. You know, I, I just put it all out there because I thought um, I have a lot to say, and this is, this is one way to say it. And so I'm just hoping you can uh, help me clean it up. This was incredible. I didn't ask for any of it. He just did it. It did mean that I wasn't really a ghostwriter. I was more of an editor. But I was okay with that. I'd come this far, and I was helping someone to write a book. Here's a passage from it. Yes, I've been called a visionary. I've also been called much worse. See, I do jokes throughout the book. It's full of short stories and lessons with a poem here or there, most of which not even taking up an entire page, but given their own page. You know, just because. Perhaps the most compelling and persistent of my visions is the vision of you and the world in full bloom. It's a little hokey, but it's kind of perfect. How, how do you want it to be formatted? It should feel like you're entering a garden, really. And the book, you open it up, and there you are in the midst of it. And I'm just there as the gardener, like the master gardener. I'm saying, look, 
there's a stream. I can hear a stream. And so you can just kind of walk around in the garden of my book. So I think it shouldn't look like a traditional book where it's just big blocks of text. There should be uh, <clears throat> a sense of play and uh, some pages might just have a single word. So with that, I took the copy of the draft and started to edit it. I want you to imagine a series of edits, pressing keys on a keyboard and moving text around and, you know, classical music. It's a montage. Are you open to changing the order so that it... No, okay. absolutely not. I mean, I say absolutely not, but okay. I, I, of course, if you, if you make a good argument for why something should be rearranged, for sure. Okay. okay. After a couple days of looking it over and not really changing all that much, I came back to the doctor with a second draft. I think we're there. I mean, I, I just... Uh... We should go through it, maybe checking for any last little punctuation errors, but I think otherwise, right. I think it's great. So I formatted the whole thing to make for an easier read, ran it through the Microsoft Word spell check, and had my dad give it a once-over just to get another pair of eyes on it. Thanks, Dad. I then signed up for an Amazon Kindle publishing account. You can get it on Kindle or paperback. It's called Today Is Now. The author is Samuel Benjamin. And just like that, I'd helped make a book. If you were to pitch the book mm -hmm. to people, to my listeners, mm -hmm. what would you, what would you say? What would, how would you sell it? It's really a key. It's a key to yourself and to transformation and to fulfillment. Today Is Now is available right now on Amazon.com. It might be a little hard to find, so I've also linked it in my Instagram bio, at Ari Kagan. If you're in Manhattan, I left a few copies at Barnes & Noble Union Square. Barnes & Noble isn't selling the book, I just left them there. So if you find one, you can take one, it's free. It's a how to live, but it's a how to live right here and now. Mm -hmm. you're, you're already doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's a, an instruction manual for, for you. Will the book actually help you? I don't know, but it's a fun read, and you should definitely go pick up a copy. This has been one of the longest and most ridiculous projects I've done while making this podcast. I wouldn't really say that I'm the book's ghostwriter, but I think I helped put everything together, and I'm proud of that. So go pick up a copy of Today Is Now, and as always, thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyper Object Industries production. The show is written and edited by me, Ari Kagan, and produced by Harry Nelson, Claire Slaughter, Jordan Allen, and also me. Our executive producer is Adam McKay. If you like things you don't need to know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could leave the show a review, it really helps us out. Go pick up a copy of Today Is Now, and I will see you next week. Be as honest as you possibly can. What was oh, the... What was you the... never need to say that with me. Okay. Out okay. of 10. How honest can I be? 10. And it's always 10. How was your experience working with me and, and working on this book? It was a seven, which is very high. I'm not, you did nothing wrong. Look, you're, you're young and I don't, wanna, I don't want you to be cocky. So seven is really, think of seven as a 10. Okay, I All appreciate right? that. Yeah, but if you need me to write a review or whatever, I would, I would give you a 10.